The storm is raging. I mean the ocean spray across the deck is being blown so hard it stings your skin and eyes. There is nowhere to hide from the pounding, the thunder and lightning. Through squinted eyes you can see nothing but water and rain. Sheets of rain driven in front of your eyes. Just raging water and wind from every direction. Every now and then a huge wave hits the bow at a perfect angle and nearly rolls the small ship over. Either way, the last time a wave hit like that, the ship rolled over far enough for deep green water to come over the side. Men are yelling for the bailers to bail faster and for the men rowing to put their backs to it. Keep the nose into the wind, the senior leader yells. The helmsman has tied himself to the post at the wheel so that no matter how bad things get, he can hopefully maintain some semblance of steering, if there really is such a thing in that kind of storm. There is a long tearing sound as you watch the sails rip like newspaper and blow off into the distance, as if that sail can't wait to be far and away. This is bad. Really bad. The order is given to toss some of the ballast over. Men scramble to the bottom and start hoisting up the heavy things which helped the ship stay upright but it also made it ride too low in the water for a storm like this. Everyone is scared, really scared. Everyone is wondering if they will ever see home and families again. Everyone, even those who adamantly deny the existence of God, secretly search their lives to see if there is any sin in them which would incur such wrath from heaven. The very abode of God Almighty, whom they gave no thought to until it looked as if they might be lost at sea. Each man has abandoned his idol gods, and from somewhere deep in his heart he knows there is only one true God. Funny how in the face of terror and death, men suddenly realize the Lord is God and are compelled to call on him alone to help. Funny how there are no atheists in a foxhole when bombs are falling and bullets are flying. Fear has a way of leveling the playing field for everyone when death is so close. All hands on deck are tired, nearing complete exhaustion, blue with cold and sick with hunger, all trying to not panic. It truly is a defining moment in the hearts of everyone on board. If you were one of the numbers of that ship, consider what would you do? You're dangling at the end of your rope. It seems you're out of options. Life seems about to come to the end of the line. Maybe, maybe not. This evening's program is about the options at the end of your rope. I'm Social Porter with Cletus Ioni, and this is Outposts, cool jazz and contemplative conversation from the deck area overlooking the Oklawaha River 
where the trees gently lean over the river's edge and every evening is pleasant. In everyone's life, there are times and maybe even seasons when it seems we're out of options and we're at the end of the line. Crying doesn't help. Being indifferent doesn't help. We've mustered our best faith only to be met with the same problem. We feel stuck and hung out to dry. Regardless of all our drumming up of faith and declaring scripture over ourselves, it appears nothing has changed and we think probably never will. Stay with me for a little while and let's see what God has to say, how to act and not to act when life seems at the end of the road. And I'll be right back. Genesis 4, verses 6 to 8. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. All righty then. Right there is one idea for when you're all out of options. Cain was in a spot, a tough place, I'd say. The Lord was confronting Cain about his anger and his bad attitude, which probably made his eyes dark his face long, and I'd guess maybe his face was in a perpetual sneer, not to mention he was probably really hard to get along with, too. The Lord suggested the fix, my paraphrase here. Dude, just do the right thing, buddy, and don't let your bad attitude get the better of you. Can you imagine yourself in that position? God is confronting Cain about himself. In Cain's eyes, I reckon there was only two options left on his game board. Either own his actions and change, or get rid of the problem. And in this case, Cain figured that pesky Abel was the problem. Evidently, it was easier to get rid of Abel than it was to deal with his own attitude and actions. 
It was either checkmate for righteousness or checkmate for sin. There's an idiom used occasionally, meaning we are at the limit of our patience or endurance. The phrase is, I'm at the end of my rope. So with Cain at the end of his rope, he figured Abel, not himself Cain, no, but Abel was the problem. So in his mind, just get rid of Abel and he's gotten rid of the problem. There you have it. There is one thing to do while at the end of your rope. Get rid of the other person you're sure is causing you grief. Yeah, that's the ticket. That'll surely fix it all right. Cain made a decision, refused to be responsible for his behavior, betrayed his brother's trust and God's, lured Abel out to the field and took action. Yeah, he fixed it all right. It was a permanent fix to a temporary problem. Yeah, well, horrible as it is, believe it or not, some feel this is not a bad option. (laughs) Incredible. But it is surely at the top of the list of terrible ideas when at the end of your rope. Another thing you can do while at the end of your rope is nothing. Nothing. That's right. Nothing. Just hang there, hoping the knot doesn't slip, hoping your hands don't lose their grip, and just hang there, doing nothing other than thinking about all the other people who put you in that position, what they did to me letting the obsession of bitterness overwhelm your heart. Don't you think when at the end of your rope, the option of doing nothing screams victim and oh, poor pitiful me, boo-hoo? In 2 Kings 24, 8-16, we read the story of Jehoiakim. He came to the crown, not to have the honor of wearing it, but to the shame of losing it. As Matthew Henry would say, he came in only to go out. Jehoiakim was in power long enough to realize he was paying the price for his father's poor choosings, and what's worse, he continued in his father's evil footsteps. Things were bad. He was at the end of his rope, just like his father. He did nothing. He just suffered along, took no action to stop the curse, 
And as a result of his doing nothing, the curse just flowed down from the crown to the people. His lack of action to change things just made the end of his rope harder to hang on to. And the more things stayed the same, the more things stayed the same. So let's put that in today's culture. One parent drinks like a fish and lives the part of an alcoholic. The other parent swears they will never drink a drop, but exhibits all the earmarks of an alcoholic, which is called a dry drunk. The parents know they've got terrible problems and are daily, if not hourly, at the end of their rope with themselves and life. But rather than do something about themselves for their own sakes and their children, they just do nothing. They never admit their addiction, often blame others for all of their struggles, never get counseling for their twisted thinking, never consider to change anything and simply continue as always in their fighting, drinking, blaming, and chaos. They just let it all ride. The kids grow up with all the attitudes of the parents. After all, the parents were the model. From generation to generation, the chaos and catastrophically poor choices continue. Friends, it's not a generational curse, but generational choice. They are choosing to perpetuate the sins of their parents. Personally, I'm the first male in my family in four generations who is not addicted to something. Jesus stepped into my life, and by his power, I chose to do something rather than do nothing. I'm not much on generational curses, for sure, but I think in terms more of generational choices. The horrible results that followed four generations through life in my family stopped with me. Thank you, Jesus. Doing nothing is an option. Granted. It is another really bad option, but it is still an option. Nothing. Are we in America and the church any different when we do nothing? When our leadership distorts the truth, shows favoritism, does injustice, equity is nowhere to be found, and they do nothing. Will their badness simply flow downhill to us? You know, like Jehoiakim, encumbrance flows down from the crown. And if we do nothing when we're at the end of our rope, how are we any different?
When at the end of your rope, what are your options? Well, so far, one is to be irresponsible and blame anyone and everyone else. The next thing to do is nothing. Taking no action to change anything. Just let everything ride and become the well-practiced, consummate victim. Here is a third thing to do. Take matters into your own hands, leaving God out of your idea of the fix, thinking, God is busy with important stuff. He probably doesn't want me around. Whatever. Who needs him anyway? Some people say, We need to attend to our own business because God doesn't busy himself with the affairs of men. It sounds more like an excuse to me. Once again, leaving God out of the picture. Because who needs him anyway, right? Well, huh, I do. So, let me understand better what is being said here. What we're saying is, we're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Have you ever actually tried that? I have, and not one boot ever came off the floor. And if anything, I ended up ripping the boot pulls off the side and hurting my back. All the while, that boot never left the floor. In 1 Samuel 13, 10-12, in all his arrogance, all-knowingness and self-importance, Saul took matters into his own hands starting in verse 10. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, Well, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you didn't come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmaws, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the Lord a burnt offering. When God didn't move fast enough for Saul, he felt compelled. He took matters into his own hands. Saul did that sort of thing a lot, you know. But in the end, when at the end of his rope, This was another really bad option to exercise. Needless to say, things didn't go well for Saul. For all us modern-day Sauls who take matters into our own hands, how's that working for you? Mm Mm-hmm. For me, not too good. How often do you want for the poo to hit the fan full force before deciding to take matters into your own hands and that it was a bad idea. Once that poo has hit the fan, friend, it's impossible to get it back, you know. It's another poor option when you're at the end of your rope, though truly an option, just not a good one by any means. How many times will we repeat the behavior I've just described before we get tired of being splattered in the face with our poor choices and 
bad ideas. How many times will we repeat our behavior before we do things differently? We must learn to choose differently. Let's get down to options that work. A fourth option is to call upon the Lord. Yes, what an amazing option. Call upon the Lord. Of course, most listeners this evening are probably believers, and we all know this option when at the end of our rope. But really, honestly, Is that what we do? Often, we say we do, and what we actually do are different things. In Psalm 50, verse 15, the Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. It is never wasted effort to trust in God. In fact, it is the best idea we'll ever have to call upon him in the day of trouble. Those who do often find the issue much better than they expected. God will give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding about the best course of action when at the end of their rope. Okay, here it is. Listen, repeat with me. With God, good idea. Without God, bad idea. Say it again. With God, good idea. Without God, bad idea. Here is wisdom. If you can't get out of the storm with Jesus, then be in the storm with Jesus. With God being the key phrase there. Grip to Jesus with all your heart. And then, like Paul said in Acts 27.15, let her ride. Lean into the wind and trust him. Jesus will not forsake us, not now or later. Let faith do its work. Come on. Here's another great option when at the end of your rope. Wait on God. (laughs) Duh. Who would have thunk? Oh, and don't we all know that is also an excellent option but it's also one of the most difficult, especially when your back is tired from rowing and wrestling with the storm as the ship seems it will sink any moment. Let me encourage you, just keep rowing, keep steering, keep bailing, 
I can assure you, Jesus will show up at the right time, not at the final minute, but right on time. I've heard some refer to him as the God of the final hour, and mm, I object. He's the God of right on time, every time. Psalm 123, 1-3 I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. We look up to you for help, like servants alert to their master's commands, like a maiden attending her lady. We're watching and waiting, holding our breath, awaiting your word of mercy till you come and have mercy on us. Mercy, God, mercy. Here's another really good option. While you're calling on the name of the Lord in your day of trouble, while you're waiting on the Lord to come and have mercy on you, let's pray. I want to add something at this point. Maybe it would be good to not wait until deep water is coming over the side before we pray. Maybe we shouldn't wait till our business is collapsing before we invite others to join us in prayer. Maybe it would be good to ask the Lord for work before our checking account is empty. Maybe it would be good to turn your heart and soul to the Lord before you go down the drain in a flood of alcoholism or drug abuse. The Lord is not a dry ditch that only runs full when it rains, which would be a fair-weather friend. Nor does he only come around when the weather is bad. I've got a buddy who only calls me when he's in crisis. But soon as good weather breaks through, he sort of quits praying and cruises until bad weather again. We've got to row the boat while we can, not just when it looks like we might sink. The word prayer literally means, I cannot, but God can. Oh, when there is one more option, and it is the creme de la creme. Simply let go and trust God. That's the ultimate option, and you know it. But it's also a really scary one for those of us who have a hard time trusting. (laughs) <laughs> which is most everyone. Jesus said in Luke 9:24, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Stop saving your own life and let go. Just let go. Open those clenched fists and let go. Learn to live life without a net, trusting the Lord implicitly for all your needs. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then the text continues reading. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and heart 
will be there for all time. Mind you, that part about heal their land doesn't mean the Lord will make things look like they used to be and we'll all get our houses, boats, and our stuff back. When the Lord heals our land, things will not be like they were, but will become like they will be. God has a better idea. They'll become better, holy, righteous, and men will sing a new song and speak in a new language. Zephaniah 3.9 For then I will restore to the people a pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. Mm-hmm. Think about it. when at the end of our rope are not too widely varied. I think the most basic option when at the end of your rope, when the storm is howling, the ship is taking on water, the mast is cracked and the sails are torn. The most basic and foundational option is to simply believe on the name of Christ. Romans 10.9 That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It all may not happen like you've imagined, dreamed, or wished, but God is good for his word. When we're at the end of our rope, believing in Christ, calling on his name, and holding on to our relationship with him, no matter if the ship sinks or not, that is key. I love this verse, John 6, 18-21. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. (laughs) Did you see that? Did you see that? When they believed, suddenly they were where they were going. When you're at the end of your rope and all out of options, Jesus is your answer. He is always your answer, and there is never a time he's not your answer. I'm Social Porter with Cletus Ione, and thanks for joining us here at Outposts cool jazz and contemplative conversation.
This evening's production has been brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries. Good old Eddie down at Area 22 Guitars. Man, that guy knows his stuff. WK Studios, Deaver Taxi Service, Holly Swafford Shoe Store on Main Street, the Mebbin Freedom League with Kevin Allen and Tommy, the fabulous Seeker.net, and of course, of course, let us never forget Jeff and Karen at Trinity Bakers where there's always something good in the oven. All music was by Dieter Mall Herb, Michael Borstlap, Pierre Ben Susan, Alex Gunia, Claire Fisher, and the Mark O'Connor Hot Swing Trio. All music use is licensed by BMI. If you're down to the wire, your boat is taking on water, and you feel fresh out of options, Jesus is the answer. Really, really, actually, actually, no kidding. Go with God this week, read your Bible, pray for your friends, and take the Lord seriously when he says he is the Lord. And I'll talk to you next time. Amen. Here.